welcome to another episode of The Brew. And gallivanting into the Eagle Wave studio today is Mr. Paul Gallen, NRL legend, captain of the Cronulla Sharks. Not much of a male model, I have to say, but he is a gentleman. Hi, Paul. Hello. Thanks for having me. Now, did we need to get special permission to get you over Captain Cook Bridge out of the Shire no. into the city? No, not me. I, I'm, uh, I consider myself a Shire boy now, I suppose, but... I grew up in Western Sydney, so I'm, uh, I grew up in Greystains, and Mum lived at Blacktown with my brothers and sisters. So you're used to visiting. Yeah, used to visiting, and I was in I was in the city today anyway, having a, a quick early morning coffee with a friend of mine, and um, doing some other things I do outside of the game. So it was easy to pop in on the way home. You drink piccolos, and we we've covered that in the um, the video, and we know that you actually make a not bad coffee. So if if at any point you suddenly want to chuck footy in. You might be a barista. Yeah, it could possibly. I mean, I'm, I'm. You might open a cafe one day. Well, maybe. Well, I did actually mention that to you yeah. before, and you, I think you advised me against yeah, it. Yeah, don't do it. <laughs> yeah, obviously, I'm coming towards the end of my career now, so if I don't finish uh, this year, it'll certainly be coming sometime very soon. So I'll be looking for a job. Send your resume in. <laughs> we'll see how we go. We might get you the top of the list because now you know the boss and everything. Yeah, that's right. And he seemed quite taken with you. Yeah, he, he, liked, he enjoyed my coffee. He drank it. He did, and drank he all drank of it. it. So it's, it doesn't happen often. We always try and explain to our guests that uh, the brew is all about inspiring and motivating small business owners because the hardest thing for us is sometimes just getting through the day uh, and then we also need something to, to reignite our passion because on top of all the problems that we face and the bureaucracy that we have and the red tape that we've got to get through and, and sometimes when every single thing goes wrong in spite of how hard you work, we need to find a reason to get up and do it all over again. Does that sound like another footy yes. game? <laughs> sounds like another year of, uh, of football and I've done uh, 15 or 16 now. But yeah, I can totally understand that. So and, is, um, is that how long your career has been so far, first grade? Uh, yeah, I, I debuted in 2001 and uh, signed my first Cronulla contract in 1999, so last wow. century. So it's been a long time and had a great career. had plenty of ups and downs as we just... As you mentioned, uh, and look, the week-to-week uh, of rugby league can be like that. You know, you can cop a bit of a bump and an injury and have to miss a couple of training sessions. And you wake up in the morning wondering what you're doing. You know, your body's sore and tired, but you know you've got to get up and do the best for your team. And uh, then there's always you know, the, mo- the motivation side of things. You know, what motivates you? I've, I've always been fortunate that I've always been really self-motivated. I've, I've never needed anyone to, to push me along to be better at football, to do that extra session, to you know, lift more weights or to keep pushing myself. I've always been self-motivated. So sometimes I don't understand why people, why everyone's not so self-motivated. Um, but as a captain at my club, it's my job to figure out what motivates the team. And sometimes that can be a challenge, but I've, I've been okay the past couple of years. Well, you mentioned your age and you're 36. Five. 35. 36 this year though, Something yes. like that. <laughs> and you're dealing with a lot of younger people yep. in, in and around the club. And 18 to 20 or 21, it's very different. It is. It is. I remember when I, I was that age, um, I found that the coaches and particularly trainers at the time were very hard, very harsh and really did push young guys along. And a lot of boys responded to it. Um, but these days it's a lot different. It's not the... Um, cracking the whip I suppose as, as what they used to do it's a it's a lot more hugging and cuddling and, Kumbaya and stuff. yeah and pushing and pushing guys along that way and that, I suppose that seems to um you know that that young guys seem to respond it's to that a, a bit it's better the millennials, these days you can't yeah it, it, it is it's just and it's just different young guys are just different these days and f- for whatever reason um society's different um and that's just the way it is and, and I think coaches uh, particularly the older coaches are, are knowing that 
And um, being a rugby league coach is as much about human managing people than it is just about knowing the game itself. And, and it's a real art these days to be it's able to another, do it. It's another volatile career, though. Oh, very, coach, very because, much so. It's all know, it's all results driven. Three, three bad games and three they want you Three bad games, out. they want you out without a doubt. And one bad year and you're gone. So, yeah, you've got uh, the guillotine chasing is, you around the field. for sure. Very results driven, that's for sure. But certainly, as I said, there's a bit of an art to it these days in, in being able to manage these young guys coming along. We always start um, early on in the brew with where you are today. You are a winner. You're king of the Shire. <laughs> Everybody loves you. You've pulled off the absolute miracle, which was 50 years in the wait. And... Everything is absolutely fabulous, right? It doesn't get any rosy glower than this. Yeah, oh, look, not not today, to be honest. Give it a month ago, yeah, without a doubt, it was like that. And, and from, you know, very early in October last year until a month ago, that's exactly what it was like. But, um, you know, we're in 2017 season now and things are a lot tougher. We were beaten in the World Club Challenge. We were beaten round one. Um, so it was very important to get back on track and we did that on the weekend. But you've, yeah, you've come off a win. We have. We've so won the competition. So feeling, I, I, I know where you're, you're saying. feeling great. We're feeling okay. good, yeah. Now let's go back in time. And you're a little fella growing up at Greystones. Yep. Did you always, absolutely always want to be a footballer? Yeah, I did. I remember when I was uh, growing up, I always wanted to be a player, obviously. And I remember when I got to about, I was probably 16 or 17, and I, a lot of my friends were like a year or two older than me, and they were finishing year 12. And I remember saying to one of my friends one day, um, who are you going to play for next year when you leave school? And he goes, oh, I'm probably not going to play foot anymore. And I was like, I remember thinking to myself, I was sitting in his car, he was driving. I was absolutely shocked. He said he wasn't going to play footy. I was like, as if you're not going to play footy, I'm going to play footy my whole life. That was my attitude. But then when I actually got there, um, to first grade and I had like a, a two-year career or three-year career or contract sorry I remember how scared I was of not getting another one and I always used to do like I did my personal training course I did my real estate course I was always doing these little courses just in case I never got another contract um, but fortunately I was um, you know always lucky enough to get another contract you, and playing well turned, enough to get another turned contract. Out, turned out you knew how to play football yeah, as yeah. well as wanting to. <laughs> yeah that's right and I uh, managed to make a career out of it. Did you feel that there was a lot of uh, competition amongst your level of player to to get that other contract was it also internal as well as external yeah so especially you when i was younger yeah especially when i was younger the first couple of years coming in i, I remember three or four guys all my age going going wanting to stay at cronulla obviously and uh going for the same position and and then I'll, on the other hand you'd hear rumors of the club wanting to sign an older player yeah. because they want that experience in the club they want to help these few young guys come through so i was always concerned when i was young it probably wasn't until a I've got to say, later in my age, I'm, I'm, still, I'm talking 27, 28, where I've really started to feel comfortable about, look, I'll get another three-year contract. I'll get a, a four-year contract if I wanted because I was at that level. I was playing state of origin. I was playing for my country. Um, that was so when you, I really felt, felt comfortable. you felt safer. I felt safer then, but I, I've got to say, you, could, you can ask my mum. I remember driving back to Blacktown in the first four or five, six years of my career, like almost in tears to mum sometimes. Like, well, mum, what am I going to do? What, what happens if I don't get another contract? So it was quite scary those early days. So you've, you started to feel safer um, because you're more established. Yep. And, you know, your, your talent's showing through, you're in demand. As you said, you're an origin player, you're playing for your country, and you're achieving all these successes. When you were asked to be captain, did you realise how much responsibility that was going to bring? Because you, you were obviously playing under captains, mm. but then to assume the role, it's very different. I was only probably 25 or 6 when I first got the captaincy role and that was on the back of Brett Kamali getting injured at, at Cronulla at the time. So at that stage it wasn't it was just about leading the team every week and leading by actions which is you know what I found I do easy that that's fine I do that easy but it wasn't until the next year when I got named like, the captain of the club 
how much more was involved, like the amount of media you've got to do, the amount of promotions you've got to do, the amount of club um, events that you have to go to. And I did struggle probably for the first year or so um, with the amount of extra responsibility there was. And, um, you know, obviously I've, I've been in a couple of dramas in my time as well, so that was another well, and, thing that came with get, it. And we're going to get to them. We're going to get to them. Yeah, that's, a, that's, a, that's another thing that came with it. So, um, yeah, look, a lot, a lot of responsibilities and, and it is... Um, it is a hard job. It's not for everyone, which is something that I've realised. Uh, it's not for everyone. So just because you're a talented player doesn't mean you should automatically be a captain. Without a doubt. I think I think to be a captain, I've got no doubt you need to be a good player. You don't need to be the best player, but you do need to be a good player. You need to know the game. You need to know individuals. You need to, you need to care about everyone, but you don't have to be the best player. So the leadership quality of bringing the team along doesn't mean you have to be great at every job and you can't be a, a talented player at every position on the field, right? but you need to be the one who, at the end of the day, when things are tough, you can bring everyone together. Yep. That's something Cronulla is actually quite known for, the team spirit. Yeah. It's not a bunch of individuals. No, that's it's right. Well, that's how we won the competition last year. We were a team. In, every, in all of our positions, we had good, good players, if not great players in some positions, but I wouldn't say the best player of that, for that position in the competition. But we had really, really good players in every position, which is why we won the competition. And one thing I've found over the past couple of years with leadership is you can't do it by yourself. I used to try to do it by myself, and probably because I never had that much help around me when, when the club wasn't in a good state. Um, but I've certainly figured out the past three or four years that you need good people around you. You need good people above you. I mean, as a captain of a club, you're not, you've got a board, you've got a CEO, you've got the head coach, and then there's the captain. So you're not right up the top of the tree, but you're well and truly up there. But underneath you, you need two or three guys underneath you who are going to help you captain the side. Because not that you can't get on with everyone, you don't always uh, relate to everyone. So you need two or three guys who relate to everyone, basically. So when, as a leadership group, you can come together, discuss things, discuss where the team's at, and uh, and do what's best for the team. And I certainly found that over the past three or four years very beneficial. And a, and a couple of guys were at the club really helped me out there. Have you had some instances where there's been one or two difficult? people um, around you whether they're playing on the field or above in the board or in the club itself and how do you control that kind of environment when you're trying to get out there and play live football because yeah. it's not a, a project you can say put off till later and, and oh, I'll do it tonight or whatever it's, it's a live game that's it that's right it's, um, it's 90 minutes of make or break that's right. and you don't get to press rewind pause or tell that other person or that voice in your head to just go away mm. so you've got to deal with a particular type of stress yep. how do you deal with that years ago it was really hard as I said we had at the time we had no CEO of the club um, the coach had just taken over very little people in the office so I remember me and Shane Flanagan Flanagan would want to sign a player he'd basically get me to ring the player to ask do you want to come and play for the club so that I mean those days were hard days but since then as I said where, where we, we got the, the, the club structure in the right place uh, Flano is more experienced as a coach and me as a leader had guys around me to help me I just found it a whole lot easier and, and there's been a couple of times look there's there's players at the club that sometimes cause trouble or not so much cause trouble but they are they're just a different personality yep. to, to so everyone else they're difficult so they well they're difficult yeah but they need to be, if you manage them the right way yep. they're not difficult you just got to so, know how because they're there for a reason that's right. Right. they have kind of a skill they do have a skill without kind. a doubt but as I said, there's a rugby league player and then there's the person. Yep. Sometimes they're two totally different people and there's been cases over the years where the person sometimes doesn't always fit that the group environment. But if you know how to manage them and know how to get them through or somehow motivate them in another way to another guy, then they always seem to get out there and do their job, which is, I think, at the end of the day, is the most important thing, that they're doing their job for the team on the field. Have you come across having to make a decision where you've had a skilled person 
who's not the right fit and you've you've chosen a less skilled person over them I've to ne- deliver that day? No, I've never we've never had that opportunity. I've, I've, I've heard about it all the time at other clubs, but fortunately at Cronulla, or maybe unfortunately, we may, maybe we, we just haven't had that option because <laughs> I know in the past we've had some <laughs> we've had some players that have done well to play first grade. We just haven't had the, a roster, so yeah. we, we couldn't. We didn't have the. I suppose the affordability to kick someone else out and put, make someone else come in. So that maybe that's one reason. But uh, also on the other hand, I found at Cronulla we've always had pretty good people, pretty good players. Um, you know, not not too many troubled people, I'd say. So um, I've never had a, the, the case where I've had to kick someone out of the side basically and put someone else in. All right, now let's talk about a younger version of Gallant. And you were lucky, I guess, to come through the years in footy where there wasn't as much social media attention to capture those golden moments <laughs> where you'd really rather not have yeah. your mum see you. <laughs> I've, so, had a few, I've had a few. <laughs> so how do you how do you deflect that? Because you've you've had some you've had a lot of um, I think struggles with the media and and struggles with PR. Some not not so fantastic PR. You're the golden child <laughs> because of the premiership. But before yeah. that, how did you cope? Because oh, it's very personal, Paul. Yeah, it, well, this, is, this is the thing, as I said to you, just before you got the footy player, then you got the person. Yeah. The public don't understand that. No. They just see the football player and they judge the football player. They judge what he, they judge the player, um, what he does on the field. They think that they're like that all the time. Look, I'm, I'm totally different. I, I've, I've got everyone fooled into thinking I'm tough and strong. I'm the biggest softie you've ever met. Well, and you're my, not and as, my family you're knows not as that. Big, you're not as big as I thought you'd be. <laughs> yeah, well, I've there you go. Say, That's Because, I mean, thing. we're almost the same height. Yeah, I'm not very tall. And I'm like five foot with some change. So he's not that, he's not that big. <laughs> I'm certainly not six foot. You, your arms might be a bit bigger than mine, thank, <laughs> thankfully. Okay, you've, you've got three children now and, and, you know, two little girls. I mean, you know, that's going to make the, the edges a bit rounder and a bit less rough. Yep. Because there's one thing to have a high-pitched daddy call and, you yep. know, that sort of sends it all out. But, you know, be, before that, you were a bit rough around the edges. Yeah, without a doubt. And look, I, I, a square I, peg in a round hole no, for that's lots exactly of reasons. Right. But I think um, I've always had a, a group of friends that have been with me from the time I've been a kid and I think that's... I think they've really helped me. They've really kept me grounded. And, and um, Did you go crazy with any big paychecks? Did you nah. do things you shouldn't oh, have done? Yeah. I, I, oh. I've been to Vegas a couple of times. and, <laughs> and not done. I'm writing a book this year, so I can't give but, too much But what happens in Vegas away. stays in Vegas. No, I'll let this one out. I'll tell this story. It's not too. It's a bit crazy. Yeah. So the group of friends I've had have always been great and kept me grounded. And I've done some things that well, was a bit rough around the edges, but, but more on the field, I think. I, I don't think I've, I've certainly never hurt anyone off the field or um, you know done anything I'd say too illegal, you know, illegal off the field. So, um, you know, I don't, I don't think I've ever been a bad person, so to speak. Um, but, but I do agree that I was rough around the edges, and there were some times where I did have to curve what I was doing um, on and off the field. And you know, I think I've done that to a large who degree. Was, who was your main influence in reining you back in? There was a guy, there was a guy named uh, Ron Massey. Yep. Ron, Ron Massey um, used to be Jack Gibson's writer. Man, Jack Gibson's a very famous coach. Ron, Ricky Stewart took me to see him one day. And uh, he goes, you, you want to come see Ron Massey? He wants to meet you. And I said, yeah, for sure. And I told my dad, and my dad lives in Queensland. At the moment, my dad was absolutely just over the moon because he loved Ron Massey. He knew exactly. He said, Jack Gibson would never have been Jack Gibson without Ron Massey. And we turned up to his house and Ricky Stewart said, mate, just be prepared what's going to happen here. And I was like, I'm meeting Ron Massey, aren't I? He goes, just, yeah, just relax. So and I went inside and I sit down. He's this old guy, got to be 70 odd, could hardly walk sitting there. And he just, I sat down, I said, shook his hand and said hello. And he said, you are the biggest soft sea I've ever seen in my life. And just tore shreds of me for about 10 minutes. And I was sitting there like, oh, I didn't know where to hit this guy. <laughs> now, I'll shake now his that head. you've got a new, a new and, orifice being yeah, torn. And I was like, oh, my God, what's going on here? And 
anyway, he just he started going through my game and what I do right, what I do wrong. And it's funny after that, after that, I kept in contact with him for for a long time until he passed away last year. I actually went and saw him in hospital with my little boy uh, in hospital last year, which which was quite tough. But uh, we had regular contact, and I've got to say, he was the one who sort of opened up my eyes to to some things I was doing and some things I could do better. And and uh, you know, I appreciated it because it, it's hard unless there's a third party to point it out. Exactly. Yeah. It's yeah. hard. It's hard, and it's it's hard for people who I suppose you love you and like you, like my friends, or like my wife, yeah. to tell you what you're doing wrong. You're um, a dickhead. Yeah. That's Stop basically, it. Basically, yeah. I didn't want to swear, but yeah, at least oh, I know I can now. We can. Here. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, and and to have a third party like that, and, and I respected that, and. Um, as I said, we, we kept in regular contact over the years and I was very sad that he passed away last year, but I'll certainly never forget him. So do you feel now that you have that same obligation to pay that forward? Yeah, it's hard. I, I probably, and I think I've started you it with... think maybe you're still too young yet to prob- be able to be doing oh, that? Look, I think I've helped Wade Graham a fair bit over. Wade Graham's a player that plays for Cronulla yep. now. I think, uh, you know, he was one of the players that I ranked to come to the club, to sign with the club, and he's openly said the only reason I come to the club was because of me. Um, so I feel like I, I owe him a bit, and I've, he, he's part of my leadership group at the club, has been for a couple of years, so I'm trying to help him along, and I think he'll be a, um, a great captain when I finish, for it, if he stays with the club or not, I'm not sure. But Well, that, that's interesting, because you're talking about a succession strategy, and, uh, yeah. and, <laughs> and business tries to do that, but a lot of small business owners can't or aren't aware of it, and they, mm. don't, they forget that they really need to organise themselves to, you know, what happens when they're not there, does mm. the company or the team keep going and of course the team has to keep going that's right you know, and, and the, I the think club will still be there long after Paul Gallon exactly gone. right and, and I think I really and he's not going yet everyone it's okay no, no. it's okay <laughs> but <laughs> I think yet. I saw the benefits of that last year when I never played um very fortunate in the past couple of years we had Michael Ennis come on board and he was part of the leadership team as well so he was great for us but I certainly think when I wasn't there last year during games we saw Wade Graham's leadership take over and not only during the game but at training as well yeah. so um, yeah, I think I've done a reasonable job there so far, but it's probably a few more things he can work on, but he's, he's going good. Well, we, we can't have top, top marks because, you know. <laughs> you take my job. That's, that's just it, you know. It's, it's, <laughs> you've, got an, you've got an understudy, but not too, not too ready there for the opening night action. Yeah. Let's look at some difficult moments that um, NRL faces. And in general, it's, it's some of those issues where the young guys are, you know, in domestic violence situations um, and they tend to hit the media pages very quickly. Is it just the media focusing that on that, Paul, or is, is that something that generally you guys are aware of, but it, it's just an issue that's difficult to deal with? Because uh, you would hear a lot more about what's going on in other clubs as well. Yeah, are you talking about domestic violence or yeah. just anything? Yeah, we'll, look, we'll, we'll start look, there and yeah, then we'll look, move look, forward. Domestic violence is, is, is a, look, it's... It's one for me. I, I can't make any excuse for any player that, or anyone in general, that's any right. man in general. So that's it's right. that's something that look. I'm not going to say I'm. I, I, I don't like talking about it. And I'm, I'm adamant that it shouldn't happen. Yeah. And, well, you've um, got you've got girls now. Uh, exactly, but not not only that. It's just it just shouldn't happen. Look, there's always circumstances, and there's always. I think each case needs to be investigated. But yep. if a player is found guilty of it, uh, um, you know, through a court, well. You know, it, 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 you can't stick up for them. But you've been you've been an advocate for players when they hit difficult moments. Yeah, absolutely. And I you're have. the you're the first person who says, "If I can speak up for someone, I will." Yeah, yeah. Particularly and a player, I'll, I'll do yeah. always do my best to stick up for a player because I know how hard the game is. And I know how much pressure there is on yep. us. But domestic violence is one I can't and, stick and up for. And the media, <laughs> the media can be vicious, without a doubt. They can be vicious, yes. and they're not in a big hurry to report the facts. 
Because yep. the facts get in the way of a yep. good story. Well, they, st- they stretch the facts as far as yes, they can possibly as- go before they break, yes, without a doubt. So there, there is that aspect to it. Yep. But, um, but then we look at issues where there's young guys, they've, you know, they're not holding down another job, they've had no other training, they've got a fair bit of disposable cash mm. and they're not being, their energy's not being channeled enough. I mean, yep. you know, like you said, in your early days, there was a lot more discipline, the, the, the coaches and the trainers were harder. That doesn't work now. Look, me and the NRL have been at loggerheads before, but I've got to stick up for the NRL on this. They are really trying at the moment. Um, they are trying to... They, they actually pay for at least 50% of your tuition. So if you want to go to a course, they, yep. they will pay for at least half of it for you. They'll help you get computers, iPads, whatever you need to so do there's, it. So there's constructive options for, for, for training, players, for, everyone. For, for looking at yep. different careers, yep. for keeping them busy. Absolutely. But I think, I think at the end of the day, really... When it comes down to it, it's up to individuals to be yep. motivated to, to want to be a better person. Or You've got to remember, and I think this is one thing I was always good at, rugby league's not going to last forever. Mm. And I think I've played longer than most people have, but I've, I've always had that mentality it's going to end soon. I've always wanted to be prepared for life after football. And I'm sure for me it's going to be really, really hard. But I just I just can't understand why, the, why these guys, these young guys are going and wasting all their money on gambling or drugs and things like that it just I, I really don't understand it you got this opportunity to try to set yourself yep. up as best you can uh, and not only set and yourself they are up, missing they are missing opportunities they are missing them opportunities because yeah. rugby league is as hard as it is and as much pressure there is you, you we, we can open up doors other people That's can't right. open up and right. uh, it's just something that I'd you know, when they I retire, I might be able to drum that into young players somehow. They don't ut- utilise their talent. No, without a doubt. To, to open up a door to maintain their future. That's exactly right, yeah. And, you know, when they're slightly older at 35 or 36 <laughs> and contemplating what tomorrow's going to bring because they've still got, you know, 30 or 40 good working years left that's in them. That's right, at least, yeah. That's that's a, a, a vast wasteland of nothing if it you is. can't get your head around something. Yeah, that's right. And I... As I said, I, I can't bag the NRL on this one. They are trying. They are doing their best, but I think it comes down to individuals uh, w- wanting to better themselves as well. Time for a short brew break, otherwise known as a commercial. Give our guests a chance to have a sip of their coffee, if they dare, and me a quick glass of water. Of course, if you feel like sponsoring an amazing show like The Brew, you can reach us on Facebook or via our website, eaglewavesradio.com.au. We're a great podcasting platform and we're waiting for you. Can we jump straight into Asada? <laughs> Quickly, if you like. <laughs> and we will, we will make it quick. It, it's something that really head-on hit two football codes and more quite hard. And it was, it was vicious in its, its ploughing through the codes um, and going off before it had all its facts straight and it took some bodies with it. Let's say it that way. How do you guys cope um, off the field uh, amongst yourselves of just getting up and facing everything? Because you've got, you've got the media, you've got players, you've got other clubs, you've got your fans who are all standing back going, what the hell? Yeah, well, that's what, that's what happened to us when, it all, when, yeah. when that uh, press conference broke. We, everyone was like, what the hell? And then I suppose after two or three days where we heard it, where the Cronulla's name come out straight away and, and Steve Dank's name come out, everyone yeah. was like, oh, God, what's going on here? And look, to be honest, it, we thought it was going to be over pretty quickly. The way, that it, the way that it all came out, we basically had a meeting as a club and um, obviously two years later, <laughs> it was when it all come to a head. So it was too, particularly 2013 was really tough because it was just, 
um, you know, every day we, we turn up to train and there'd be 20 or 30 media waiting for us to drive in. I don't know what they're trying to get pictures of. We're, just, we're driving in every day in our cars, but they were just there every day and it was just full on. Because um, they thought you'd stop the car in front of them and take some drugs and, out and, and, and talk do it to them, there. Yeah. yeah, I don't know what they were thinking, but yeah, look, it was just a tough time. Because um, that's one of those moments where it doesn't matter how much talent you've got. It doesn't matter how hard you train or how well you play. Their focus is on something completely different. Yeah. And they just want that rubbish. Yeah, they did. And look. <laughs> so how did you maintain? You and I mean, you're captain. Yeah, it you're was very part hard. Part of the leadership. Very hard. You've um, got to keep everyone up. Yep. Do you know what the easy part was? Playing. That, yeah. was, that was the easy part. So. Take, tra- getting getting on the field and getting just on working the tra- it out. Tra- there. Training was ridiculous. There, yeah. were, there were days at training where we. I'm not. I'm not just saying this. The blokes would just walk off. Yeah. Guys would just walk off the field. I'm not doing this. And they, they literally would walk off and. Um, to motivate guys that year throughout training was was virtually non-existent to be honest. But when the game day come, we could just shut it out for that, you know, eighty minutes and just go out there and play. And, and we actually went pretty good that season. We I think we made it to within a game or two of the grand final. So, uh, yeah, the, in the, spite of everything, in spite of everything, so that the football part was easy. Um, two thousand fourteen was obviously a lot more difficult. Go away for a month or two, then it would come back. Then yep. it would go away and then come back. And on top of that, we had a heap of injuries. And uh, you know, come the end of two thousand and fourteen, we. We were offered a an, an outlet to basically a, a way for it to be all over and um, and move on and move on and I'll never forget to with my lawyer. My lawyer said to me, "Our our our job is to mitigate loss. No yeah. matter what you call us a lawyer, no matter what you want to do, our job is to mitigate loss and get people out of a certain situation the best way possible." And he said, "This is the best way possible. Do just do this. Just get it over and done with. Finish it." And that's what we did. And had had that option been provided early on, it would have saved a lot of heartache. Um, a lot sooner. May have been, yeah. It's, yeah dis- it's disappointing for everyone, including the fans, when this stuff comes up. And it's it's irrelevant to everything else suddenly. And it shouldn't be that. You know, on the field, it's it's that's the game. And that's the love of it. You know, it's mm. that competition. And then you've got all the peripherals. Now, you get you get pretty bashed up on the field. Yep. Um, and let's say that, you know, your nose hasn't improved. <laughs> okay. Well, I do a little bit, a little bit of boxing too. Over the years. That's, and that's probably about that. <laughs> that's, that's, a good, that's a good segue into that because that's where I was leading. As if getting bashed around and, and pummeled on the field isn't enough, you've decided to also have a go at another sport where, you know, your nose is pretty much open target. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You know. Look, I used to do a bit of boxing as a kid and uh, really enjoyed it. Then obviously got in the rugby league and then started doing it again in about 2007. Purely extra fitness for football. Sure, yeah. And uh, no, this is the truth. And then uh, aerobic activity. That's what it was. It was yeah. all about. We, we still do a fair bit now. But the trainer said to me, oh, "Have you ever thought about having a fight?" And I said, "No." Nah. And it got to about 2011. So I'm talking four years later. I got offered a fight, and I said, "I still said no." And the year after, I got offered a, a, a cha- this is a charity one, and uh, it was against an All Black named Hicker Elliott, and they just kept offer me more money because no one would fight this guy he had like apparently 120 amateur things and was he like a big guy yeah he was a big guy yeah bigger than big, you yeah everyone yeah, you're not, you most, most guys are bigger than you me. weren't scared though. yeah well i was a bit worried but you were apprehensive it, so it just got to the point where i said yeah right i will do it and i won and then i had another one and i won and just sort of went from there what was your advantage I mean, this guy's you know um, got 120. Yeah, wins. I moved. He couldn't hit me. I hit him when he couldn't hit. That's that's the whole idea of boxing. Don't get hit and, and hit them. And that's what I sort of seem to do. Because you wanted to save your looks. Yeah, exactly right. You know exactly. So, so now he well, didn't he didn't have that football kind of scrum experience. Well, he, he was, was just he a was boxer. A, he, he was a hooker from right. Okay, so he did. So, so he, that's how that's how it started. Then yeah, I've but that's only the pretty boxing. boys play union. <laughs> he was a hooker. He wasn't that pretty. He had to put his head in scrums. But yeah, yeah. Look, uh, uh, that's how it started. And then I. 
probably about three or four years ago that Sonny Bill started doing the same thing, yeah. Sonny Bill Williams. And then the, so he followed you, copied no, you? No, it was about the same time. Oh, okay. And then um, people wanted to see the super fight now, movie. Is that, that going to happen? I think it might. So I've been uh, – probably out the first year I was like uh, – I, I was a little bit apprehensive because he was he's a pretty good boxer. Yeah. And um, – yeah, Since my last you know, couple of fights, I'm like, you're let's the do this. Legend. Yeah, come yeah. Let's, well, I said, let's do it. And uh, finally, a week or two ago, Sonny's come out and said, yeah, we're, we're going to look at it. So yeah. it's something that may happen. So you're um, teasing next us year. all. Maybe, oh, maybe next year. Maybe, maybe yeah, next, next year. year. It won't happen this year. We've got, we're going to get through our domestic seasons, obviously. So and we, we haven't even sat down to discuss it. Our managers haven't. So I'd say uh, early next year, possibly. So we we think Sonny Bill Williams might be on the card next yeah, year. To fight. Yeah, I think it, I think it should be. Yeah, you remember Fingers your mates crossed. when that comes around, won't you? <laughs> There'll be plenty of mates wanting, wanting free tickets. Yeah, I but, bet, but not you know not like the brew mates. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> so you're you're at that stage now where you are having to think about the future. Yep. Uh, because you've got three kids and a family to support, uh, and your looks aren't going to go on forever, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> so while you're contemplating. 2017 season and, and, and hoping that you can, you know, make Cronulla the um, the super legend team because, you know, two premierships would be like, well, you, I mean, it's hard to get much cooler than that. You'd just be like dusting off your shoulders yes, and that would be good. walking away like that. Okay. So something to fight for. Yep. What is your fantasy of the future? If you could do anything moving forward, what would Paul Gallen do? Uh, I'd love to have my own business. In what area? I don't good answer, know. Good answer for the small business community. Yeah, well, I'm not just saying. I, I mean, I, I, I've done a business diploma I did about three or four years ago. So I, I am interested in business. I just got no idea in what area to get into. I really don't. And Most small business owners don't either. Well, everyone keeps telling me just do something you're passionate about. Well, yeah, it's pretty cheesy. Though. I know. I'm passionate about yeah. money. I want to make money. Yeah. In what I, way? I, That's, I always... Yeah, like, just tell me say, yeah, what area. Yeah, the person who says that is named Steve Jobs or he's, you know, Zuckerberg, something like that. Yeah, and it I just know. worked out fine for them. Yeah, so... And, and people say to me, you know, apply what you've applied, your leadership quality in football to business, but I don't know what business that is. That'll so come I, out That'll come out naturally. I think leading, that, yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm a, so basically pe- they're giving you bad bum advice. Basically they're giving me yeah. nothing. Yeah, yeah that's Basically right. nothing, no. yeah. yeah so. I, I'm of the opinion that universe sorts it all out. Okay. You've got your skills. So just relax a yeah, little. Yeah, you've yep. got your experience. Opportunities will open. Yep. Um, and you know yourself that when it feels right, it, it will be right. And, um, you know, who knows? It might even be children's clothes. Possibly. Your experience now. With my kids, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it might be. You, we Look, we might see you on the face of a new makeup range. <laughs> I doubt that. That'd be some pretty special makeup, wouldn't it? It might be something the wife wants to do and you might be supporting her. Yep. Who that'd knows? Be, that'd be nice. Who knows? It would be, it would be nice it to see be. Um, men in football, but they do a lot. Like, there's, there's a lot of good stuff happening there in the, in the NRL. We have to say all, all the good bits too. All right. Your son's playing footy. Yep. Are you proud of that? Oh, so I'm, How's that feel? Oh, look, I'm proud of my kids regardless. I, honestly, I, I just don't want my son to have to face any pressures because he's, he's my son. But he will. He probably will, he exactly. Will. And, and I'm not looking forward to them days. He's under sixes at the moment, so he yeah. just goes and loves tackling and running. They're not graded, so it doesn't matter how good yeah. or how bad he is. All, all the kids are just there to have fun. But Where does he like to play? Oh, under sixes, they just play yeah, anywhere. They just, they just follow they the just ball. They're like, they're like the seagulls to a chip. That's what they're like. It's <laughs> awesome. It's the best thing to watch ever. But um, I've been told when you get to about the nine and ten-year-old when they start grading them and yeah. the parents start to get more involved and wanting their kid to be the best, I'm, 
I'm a little bit concerned when I get to that age what's going to happen, but certainly think, for the next year or two. Do you think you'll be a coach? Do you think you'll coach one of his sons? Um, oh, you know what? My dad did, so I think I'd like to, but then another part of me just wants to stay right out of yeah. him and just go and enjoy watching him play. So and let him enjoy it. That's exactly right. Wherever I, that leads, That's right. right. Yeah, so it's, I'll, I'll, wait, I'll, I'll weigh that up in probably be at least a couple of years until he gets to that age, but certainly at the moment I, I'll have nothing more than going and watching him play. It's awesome. I think, I think you're at that fortunate stage in your life where you've got a young family you, you might be coming towards the end of one career and about to embark on another and you'll have plenty of time to spend with them. Although, once you get into business, you'll well, that's find that's what I was about to say. Hopefully, hopefully I don't start a business away. that's too time-consuming. But that yeah, I certainly away. want to be able to watch him play on the weekend, for but sure. you'll be able to pass on the football mantle to someone else. And who knows, your girls might get involved as well. Oh, well, certainly not my oldest girl. She's a dancer, out-and-out dancer. She loves it. Four days a week, she's out dancing. So I'm Dedicated. picking her up. Yeah, she loves it. But see, she shares your dedication. Yep, true. So yep, you've obviously yep. passed that on. She's seen the example that you've set in, in really focusing on something and going from there. Yep. So, NRL player... Shire legend, dad, and maybe a future business leader as well. We'll look forward to hearing stage two <laughs> of your new life and to reading the book when it comes out. Yeah, dramas, yeah. And we hope you'll come back and talk about that. Yeah, for sure. No and worries. you can share those Vegas moments and we might ask him about that, Alfie. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks, everyone. That's The Brew. The G train has now left the studio's Thanks to Mr. Paul Gallon and his gallivanting around in our studios. That's the Eagle Wave Studios, by the way. Great piccolos, Paul. And I think he's now BFFs with my brother. Don't forget to follow The Brew on iTunes, review each episode, recommend them to your friends, and of course, follow us on Facebook and check out the challenging brew videos of all our guests. And you can comment on Twitter. Catch you next time. <laughs>